0: Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another web developer podcast episode where we help aspiring developers get jobs and junior developers grow. In this episode, we're going to be going over what is a cloud developer and how to become one. Uh, We're also going to dive into, you know, is it for you? The pros and cons of it. So I want you to get a feel for what this is. And at the end, you know, I brought someone on to kind of give his raw experience. He's had a lot of experience in the industry, especially in the cloud space. So you're going to get a real feel for it's for you and how to become one. So anyways, fail me. Uh, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me on, Don. And um, yeah, to answer your question, I guess we can begin with what is the cloud. Um, for those who aren't aware, you know, I know there's a lot of software developers on this channel. So usually, when you write your code, it has to be deployed somewhere on some sort of server. Unfortunately, not all code can be deployed on our local machines. So in most instances, it's deployed in what's called the cloud, which is just um, data centers, really, that, that most companies rent out. And the three main cloud providers are Amazon Cloud, so Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud Platform, so that's by Google, and Microsoft Azure, which, of course, is by Microsoft. So that's, those, I just thought to start with the definition of the cloud.
0: Yeah, I think that's helpful. Um so what what is a cloud developer? Like what are some of the responsibilities?
1: Yes, yeah, so this is a very interesting topic because like with most things there's a lot of nuance behind the title. And with the cloud industry, the main job roles are cloud engineer, DevOps engineer, and solutions architect. And of course you have the side roles like um, site reliability engineer, SRE. But the main sort of roles that most people go into are cloud engineer and DevOps engineer uh, because those are sort of like the pathway in because solution architect roles are more advanced. You need sort of three to five years on the job experience to get them. So I'll just distinguish between cloud and DevOps for now. So a cloud engineer at a fundamental level Your job is to help companies manage their cloud infrastructure because the cloud environment can be quite complicated. You have servers, databases, Docker, containers, and the clouds also have cloud-native specific services, such as serverless functions like AWS Lambda, for example, where you, you don't really have any service to manage. It's just you, you upload your function and that works. So a cloud engineer, you're managing the cloud infrastructure, managing the security, cost optimization, managing the scalability of the service. So you want to make sure that um, if your if your company's website had a lot of traffic suddenly come in your service can scale up um, horizontally so that means that let's say you only have one server running a lot of the time if more traffic comes it replicates to two to three to four to handle that load and yeah you want to make sure there's uptime so if there's anything wrong you want to be notifi- notified immediately you want to make sure there's adequate monitoring on there. And so that's mostly the job of a cloud engineer. For the DevOps engineer, it's very similar, except DevOps has more of an emphasis on automation. So you'd want to be creating things like CICD pipelines. You'd also be looking at infrastructure as code because with most um cloud roles, you can work on it using the console. So you're clicking around in the AWS website and spinning up servers, but you can also script that using um a framework called Terraform. And all cloud environments sort of have their own name, but Terraform's the agnostic one. So you can use it for Google, for AWS. And so you want to be familiar with um, infrastructure as code because a good use case of infrastructure as code is If you have, um, you know, you have resources in, say, the Ireland region, so all your resources are in Ireland data centers, but due to um, compliance reasons like GDPR or data privacy, uh, you need to expand into North America, for example. You know, if you imagine a massive company with like hundreds of servers, you know, databases, things like that, manually creating all of those resources, again, is not only time consuming, but it's also prone to error. Whereas if you had scripted it all using Terraform, you could literally spin it all into a new region with just the click of a button. So those, those are some of the things a DevOps engineer does, you know, creating pipelines, writing uh, infrastructures code, deploying automations to make everything work together. So those are just some of the roles of a cloud slash DevOps engineer.
0: OK. Yeah, it definitely seems like it shares some responsibilities with DevOps, but with a little bit more focus on cloud technologies
1: exactly i think in the industry a lot of the the roles are used interchangeably so uh, at this point i don't really see a distinction between cloud and devops because most likely devops now there's going to be a cloud component i know traditionally it used to be all on premises and data center but i'm finding most mostly now devops engineers are going to need to be comfortable with cloud uh cloud skills okay i think that's very helpful um
0: I mean, it sounds like you you have quite a bit of knowledge around this. You probably have quite a bit of experience around this as well. Can you share what your experience has been like as like DevOps and
1: in the cloud? Yes. Yeah, so I could start with how I actually got into this space to begin with. Um, for me, it started with wanting to be technical. So I'd worked, you know, odd jobs here and there. But I made a decision that I wanted to learn like actual hard technical skills and I stumbled upon Linux, you know, so I started learning the Linux command line. And from there, you know, once you know the basic commands, I'm like, okay, what else can I do? You know, and I looked on the tutorials and the next step was, oh, you know, spin up some web servers. So I was like, okay, cool. Apache Nginx web servers. I got that. What's next? And I was like, oh yeah, now deploy that on the cloud. So it was a very uh, sort of iterative journey, a very emerging journey. So from learning one technology to another, I stumbled upon the cloud And, you know, I found that I really enjoyed it. I really, I found it quite intuitive. So I did a couple of projects and eventually I was able to get my first cloud job in a cloud consultancy. And, you know, that was more of a cloud engineer position, I'd say, because we didn't really do a lot of automation there and we had a lot of clients. So some of the type of things we do is a client had a WordPress server on AWS you know, if there was an error of the website went down, I'd receive a notification and then I troubleshoot the issue. Usually it's a code thing or maybe the web server stopped working. Also, things like managing permissions of who could access what resources in the cloud. So um, working with the stakeholders to grant and revoke permissions. And uh, then we started uh, deploying things. So a company come up to us, they'd be like, OK, we want to deploy um, this service with this database create the infrastructure so that the developers can then, you know, upload the code and things like that. So, you know, when I first started, that's what I was doing. That's more like, you know, basic cloud engineer things. Uh, as I progressed in my career, I started focusing more on the automation, which is more on the DevOps side. And I think this is probably what a lot of your, 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 your listeners or viewers will find interesting because throughout my journey, I'd kind of been learning Python. And, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I found programming quite difficult at the start. Um, you know, initially, years ago, I tried to learn Java, <laughs> tried it, failed, tried it again, failed. Um, and eventually I stumbled on Python and I found it more intuitive because there were sort of less things attached to it. There's less semicolons and, and all of that. So I found that I gelled more with that. And so that came in handy in my cloud role because a lot of the time you're using Python to string different AWS services together. Uh, I'll give I'll give you an example. So with AWS or most cloud providers, you're billed by the hour of the instance running. So if you have an EC2, which is just a virtual machine in AWS, you get charged you know a small fee for every hour it's running. Now that adds up. And if you imagine you have different environments, so you have your production environment, which is where, you know, the main workload like happens, but then you also have a dev environment, which is where sort of new features are tested and it's just used by the development team to to make sure everything's right before it gets pushed to production. The dev environment doesn't need to be running 24 hours a day. So what one of the tasks I've done that's quite interesting is that you can actually create, use Python and the AWS SDK to shut down the dev servers at like 5pm and automatically start them up at 8am Monday to Friday. So that's an example of using automation to sort of save resources, save money. And there's loads of examples like that. But um, yeah, so using programming skills, I think it's quite essential. And in fact, a lot of the best cloud engineers I know start with a programming background, because as you become more advanced, it becomes all scripting and all automation.
0: I would love to see companies adopt uh, and integrate that script into shutting down their dev servers instead of overworking their devs. I yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> I like that. Um, Definitely. So... You mentioned this idea, and I guess we could kind of start diving into like how to become a cloud developer. But you mentioned this idea of like it probably makes sense to just dive into programming first. And that's do you feel like a lot of people get started, or a lot of other cloud engineers have gotten started that way? They got started into programming and expanded from there.
1: It's interesting. I've spoken a lot to a lot of cloud engineers and a lot of the time they actually get started with the cloud side of things and they're almost reticent to learn the programming side of things. And the question they always ask me is like, do you need to know programming? And I'm like, it really helps, right? So, you know, if you're already listening, you're probably at a bigger advantage because I find that cloud and programming, they're, 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 they're siblings really, they work really well together. Um, So in terms of getting started, the first thing I advise people to learn is the Linux command line, simply because that's the foundation for almost everything. 90% of cloud workloads run on Linux. And the reason that you need to learn the command line is because servers use resources like CPU and memory. And if you use a Windows server or a server with a GUI graphical user interface, that uses up a lot of CPU and a lot of memory. Which is more expensive to companies. Whereas if you use a Linux server with no graphical interface, all it has is the command line that uses, a, that uses a lot less resources, which saves a lot of money. So most environments you're going to work in, you're going to need to troubleshoot or navigate using the Linux command line. So that's why I always encourage everyone to start. And for a lot of people, it might seem daunting, you know, but I think it's, it's really straightforward once you, once you, I mean, it's easy once you know what you're doing, but once you find the right learning materials and once you practice a little bit, you find that it's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. And also you, you actually feel technical. I don't know how to describe it, but you know, you, you if you can navigate the terminal, you're, you're pretty much like top tier. So I say start there. Next, um, you want to start deploying cloud projects, right? So You know, if you're, if you're already a software developer, you probably have little applications you're running at the moment. Rather than having it run locally, why not create an EC2 instance in AWS and deploy it there? Right. So now you're moving the development from your local system to a cloud system. So if you have an application, spin it up in an EC2 instance. And that way you can start getting the feel for cloud resources, networking, things like that, because I always believe the best way to learn is by doing, you know, if you have a Docker instance, uh, a Docker image you've been working with, deploy it in AC2 instead. So that's sort of step two, start creating these projects. Um, one of the most popular ones I tell people to do is to create a WordPress server. And, you know, a lot of the times with WordPress, you don't really need a lot of programming skills really, but you do need Linux skills. I mean, to update the WordPress, yeah, you can, you know, use programming to do that. But at least you can get started with that, find some good documentation, deploy that. And then once you do that, then you start to get a feel for it. And then we can then move on to maybe more advanced projects like, okay, let's learn a bit more about networking, you know, public and private subnets. What's the difference between those? And just for your listeners really quickly, a public subnet is a network that has access to the wider internet and that, you know, so instances from the people from the internet can access that instance directly. Whereas a private subnet is more secure. A server in a private subnet can send traffic into the wider internet, but traffic can't come in to that and if you think of your your sort of internet at home all your devices are on a private subnet but then to go out you go out through your router and so i guess that's just a simple way of knowing that so these are sort of like next level work i can do the basic things in the cloud um then start thinking of the more like nuanced pieces but you know, so once you get a couple of projects under your belt, if you're interested in AWS, I definitely recommend the Cloud Practitioner Certification. That just gives you sort of an overview of the different AWS services. You know, it's not too technical. It's more like, okay, this, this is what an S3 bucket is. You can, you can store files there, or this is what an RDS is, which is a managed database. So you can start getting the terminology. You can start to know what, what, what things are, are used for. And again, always if you can think of any project, rather than do it on a, on your local system, do it in the cloud, and then we can then move on to more advanced topics like Terraform. So, okay, I can do it using the AWS console by clicking around. Now, let me try scripting that using Terraform, and. By doing that, again, you're you're just taking your skills to the next level because not a lot of people can use something like Terraform. And if you're already from a programming background, you're used to reading documentation, you're used to working with code, you're used to troubleshooting errors. And then once you get that, then you can move on to topics like CI/CD, So creating a simple pipeline. So one of the things I tell my students is with everything, you always want to start simple start simple then complicate so an example of a simple ci cd pipeline is okay i have some code on my local machine i'm hosting the code Um, i also have a remote repository in github i also have a server in aws how do i do a git push to github and then have a pipeline that then pushes that code into my aws server you know complicated but relatively simple there's not a lot of moving parts if you can do that then the next question is okay how can i make this a bit more complicated or how can i make this a bit more realistic i should say so earlier we spoke about different environments right the staging environment or dev environment and the production environment all right in github let's create two branches a dev branch and a prod branch if i push to the dev branch I want the pipeline to move to push to a dev instance, right? And then if I merge that branch to a prod branch, then I want the pipeline to take those changes and apply that to a prod server. So you can see we've moved from just learning you know, Linux command line, doing simple projects to things more like more complicated. But I think for most people, especially if you if you're technically inclined, these are the sort of things you will enjoy doing really. And I think like learning it, I found it to be really fun, challenging, but fun. So those are some of the steps you can start taking to sort of up upskill. And it, you know, it takes a long it takes a while. Um, but I'm just giving you a little bit of a roadmap into the kind of things you want to progress towards.
0: I think that roadmap is really helpful. I appreciate you giving steps. Um, You mentioned this idea of, um, I think you mentioned AWS Cloud Practitioner Certification. Are there any certifications? Well, actually, we'll start with this. When you're trying to become a cloud uh, developer, do you think it's beneficial to focus on a single... um, provider like aws versus something like google um does that change your path or do a lot of companies hire people that are just
1: comfortable with spit like they'll figure out any uh, to use any platform that's a very good question i'm glad you asked it because i really encourage people to pick one cloud provider and focus on that and the reason is because with each cloud provider, they all do similar things, right? So if you can work on AWS, theoretically you can work on Google Cloud or Azure. However, they all have their little nuances, right? And it takes time to really understand the nuance. And especially if you're just starting, I really encourage you to stick to one and get good at that one, because a lot of the time, most companies are only on one platform. They're only on AWS. I mean, you have like, you know, the big companies or big government institutions, they might, they might be on multi-cloud, but I reckon the majority of companies, they just have one and most of the times they want a surgeon, not a generalist, right? They want someone who knows that one cloud, who knows it really well because those other cloud skills aren't really relevant to them. And also from from your standpoint as well, you want to have mastery because one platform is frustrating enough. If you're trying to do it on two, it's very easy to get confused, I think, and demotivated. In terms of which one you should focus on, the way I sort of think about it is like this. Microsoft Azure, it has a lot of the enterprise clients. So, you know, huge companies who've had like Windows systems integrated for a while, they're most likely going to go to Azure. However, AWS is still like the market leader. Azure has been catching up, but AWS was the first and is still the leader. And I find that a lot of companies sort of mid-sized or companies doing interesting things are in AWS. I think there's still the most amount of jobs there. Google Cloud, is it's a fun little one because I feel like a lot of startups are on Google Cloud. It's very, I, I, I find the interface really nice. Like it's very developer friendly. So, you know, I I find a lot of startups. However, if you do sort of job comparisons, there's not that many jobs in Google Cloud yet. And so personally, I usually recommend most beginners to go for AWS simply because that's where the majority of opportunity is. And also I, I find that most people like AWS as opposed to, you know, the other ones. But that's just from anecdotal evidence and talking to people. I haven't done any studies on that. But generally, I recommend people start with AWS.
0: Okay. When they do pick a specialty, so you want companies want them to be a surgeon, do you think certifications really make you stand out? Or are those certifications, like to have them on your resume? Or do you feel like they're great for the knowledge?
1: Yeah, that's the I, main thing. My theory on certifications is it's all about timing, right? So I think when you're first learning about cloud, I'd say it's more important to do projects. I'd recommend doing something like the cloud practitioner certification because it's not really a technical one. Like I said, it's just like it gives you context because, you know, you're going to be learning basically new terms, new services, S3, EFS, RDS. So you're going to need to know what those are, at least at a basic level. So I'd say do something like, you know, the basic certification to get your head around that. But once you know that, I'd recommend more hands-on projects. The reason is there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, if you have, you know, these two certifications, you can just walk into a six-figure job. But that's I found that to not be the case. And a lot of people who follow that advice have also found that to not be the case. And the reason that's not the case is that there's a very big difference between sort of theoretical knowledge and practical knowledge, right? So, you know, you could have certifications where you're sort of picking answers from multiple choice. So you know what things are, but what you find is when it comes time to implement those things, it's a lot trickier than it seems, right? There's a lot more nuance than it seems. And uh, most times companies are looking to hire people who've done uh, similar things before. So, and this is why I always say focus on projects because you can say I've deployed a server in AWS before. I've created a pipeline that does this and that before because they just want you to do the same thing or something similar for them. Whereas if you come through like, oh yeah, I've done this certification and they're like, okay, so yeah, like what actual projects have you done or what have you deployed, and you don't have that, they're not gonna go for you because again, they want they want you to show that you've actually gotten your hands dirty, that you've made things happen. And that's why I think at the start of your career, hands-on are more important. That being said, you know, once you get your first job, once you've got a year under your belt then I think it's time to like max out on the certifications because most times your employer would actually pay for you to get those certifications because you know it's good for them it's good for their that partnership with AWS there's a lot of reasons why they want it so once you actually get a year or two under your belt focus on those certifications because that's how you actually broaden your knowledge and that's how you 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 you, be, you become more, you know what services to use. So for example, when you're first starting, you're kind of like a carpenter with a hammer, right? Everything's a nail. So like just use the hammer, use the hammer. But certifications gives you other tools like, oh, we're doing a, a time series database. Let's use a time stream as opposed to a MySQL database. Or, oh, we have this code that runs this way. Rather than deploying it on an EC2 server, let's use a Lambda function, because now you understand what each service does and how relevant they are. So that's where certifications come in. It gives you that context of what tools to use at what time. And then as you get more senior, uh, certifications become less relevant because now it's all about uh, communication, managing stakeholders, managing projects, right? So I think certifications are actually very valuable at the midpoint, like early to midpoint of your career, once you already have a job. And then, I mean, I'm saying this because I have nine certifications. So that, that's sort of the trajectory I used. And because you're always thinking, okay, what's going to get me to the next level? Because what got you to level one isn't going to be the same thing that gets you to level two and so on.
0: So that that's really helpful. I Like even in the dev world, a lot of people have a huge misconception about certifications and that. Um, I just... Like I I literally review resumes where like half of the resume is just on their education and certifications and it's alternative education, which is great. They got a cheaper education, but like, where are the projects? Like you barely dove into them. Like, what can you do that's practical? So it's it's interesting to hear, like in the cloud world, that's what they want to hear. But I want to challenge this a bit. Um, Well, not challenge it, but it sounds like like you just need some project. Something. So like what if I created a to do list, right? Like what if I'm an aspiring cloud engineer? I don't really love programming, but I love like the idea of setting up a pipeline. I love the idea of spinning up a server and figuring out AWS. Can I just build a to do list? launch that, set up a pipeline for it and like all the, all the checks and maybe even spins up a a test server when I create a brand new branch or something like that. Like, can I do that? Is that valuable? And does that make me competitive in the market or do I need an impressive programming project and then pair that with all the DevOps stuff?
1: Uh, Yeah. I think it's all about the story you can tell with the project. Um, So If you're looking for a job in the cloud or even for programming, um, you can see the job requirements. So I can speak for the cloud industry. They're going to tell you, we need someone who has experience with Linux. We need someone who has experience with CICD, with Terraform, with Python. These are the main things they ask for. So with the projects, where you want to get to is, you know, when you're in the interview and they go, tell me about something you've done with Terraform, you can say, thanks for asking. I deployed a three-tiered web application in Terraform uh, where I created three public subnets and three private subnets. I then installed WordPress and did A, B, and C because it's all about the story. And you want to, the reason you actually want to have done the project is that when they ask follow-on questions, you can answer them. Or when they ask, oh, why did you do this over this? You, 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 you know, because you've immersed yourself in that world. So I'd say it's more about um, knowing what skills employers value and then taking the time to a first learn the fundamentals. Cause this is another thing I, f- I find where people go wrong is they just go into the projects without sort of learning the, on un- the foundations of it. So with Terraform, for example, they just go like, okay, I need to do a Terraform project. So I just like scrape some things together from stack overflow, or whatever, which is fine. But I think that's the wrong way. How I'd actually approach it is I'd say, okay, let's learn the, the basic Terraform commands. Let's do something simple. Learn that and then you do the more complicated project because that just gives you a stronger foundation to, to to work from. And I know when I was learning programming as well, it's kind of like, you know, it's like everyone has to learn the strings, integers, loops, if statement, for statement. Those are like every tutorial I've seen. Those are what they cover first because once you know those concepts, it's then easier. So even if you're using Stack Stack Overflow and all these other things, at least you kind of know what's going on, and 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 makes it easier. So I'd say with the cloud, you want to look at um, how these these um, projects you're doing tie in together. So for example, I created a WordPress server, but to update that code on the WordPress server, now I have a CI CD pipeline, because what you want the potential employer to do is think of you. With their workload, because they're going to be doing something similar. So you want to show, you know, whatever you're struggling with, I've done this before. I've encountered those errors before. You know, I can fix it as opposed to someone who's like, yeah, I read about it. But like most technical people know, like who's really, who's really done the work, really. So you want to make sure you're that person that once they ask you some questions, you're confident because you've actually done it and you can answer with clarity.
0: Okay, so. The idea of just building a to-do list to, like, randomly launch it in a certain way, like on an EC2 instance, may like, it sounds like you probably want to dive deeper into the programming world, deeper into building maybe multiple projects that have different requirements to showcase, like, I kind of changed this up, uh, but just, like, to have more context rather than... Because I'm trying to, like determine where the line of the sand is like how much programming do you really need to dive into um because mm. that's depth in itself um there yeah. like just to become a programmer there's a lot of depth in that so I'm, I'm i guess i'm trying to figure out like where that line in the sand is of like how much how many projects mm. do you need to dive into like what depth of projects can you help me yes. with that
1: yeah so if i start with sort of the programming to cloud ratio In the cloud, honestly, you don't need that much programming. I mean, you do, I guess maybe what I should say, you need simpler programming, right? So like a lot of the times the scripts I'm writing are like less than 10 lines for the most part, or between 10 and 20 lines of code, because a lot of the time with the cloud and automation, you're just trying to string a couple of things together. You know, you're not writing full-blown applications. A lot of the times there's sort of developers for that. Your job is just to say, okay, now that the code is in this repo, how do I get it to the server? So you write some code that does all the Linux commands, you know, you'd need to do. And so in that regard, you know, as long as you have an app like on a server, it's now a question of, okay, how do I back up this server, right? Or how do I put monitoring on this server, or how do I use um, an AWS service called S3, which is a sort of serverless file storage service? Okay, how do I link that to the server? Or how do I, um, uh, you know, how do I implement auto-scaling so that okay, I can see if the CPU is above seventy percent on this server, spin up a new instance? Because all those things, as simple as they sound, there's a lot of nuance there, um, and so I think. Uh, DevOps and cloud serves development and programming, right? Like our job is to make the lives of developers easier through automation. So when cloud people, we're not responsible for writing like the main code. We're just responsible for having the stitching. But uh, that's where understanding like the various cloud services and DevOps practices come in handy. But I'd say as long as, you know, even with something like a to-do list app, I think it's so important to do the simple stuff like that because that's what helps you to do the more complicated things. So it's always a question of, okay, I've got this app, you know, I, I did it by SSHing onto the server and sort of copying and pasting, cool. Now, how do I get a pipeline to do that? Okay, I've got the pipeline to do that. How do I create the server again, but use infrastructure as code to do that? And at least to get your first job in the cloud, I don't think you need to be like, you know, super deep into everything. You just need to show that, you've touched these technologies, you've done good projects in there. And also to start thinking outside the box. So for example, when I was learning programming, you know, I, you, I started with the to-do apps, Save As Everyone. And then, you know, you start doing like little, like a horoscope app or whatever. And then I thought to myself, okay, what's a real thing that I want to create with programming? And one of the first things that I thought of was I wanted to create an app where, um, where I could get a haircut so I could look at barbers or in my area, see their reviews, book one, and then, you know, pay online. Because a lot of the times, you know, I didn't want to go with like my card machine or cash. I wanted to just do everything online. So that's something I created and I learned a ton. Because what you find is that when you actually think of your own projects and you're not know, just following along with a tutorial, that's where the real learning happens because now you're trying to, like go down the unbeaten path a bit. You're trying to figure things out. You're encountering errors you haven't seen before. And that's how you learn how to troubleshoot. That's how you learn how to find information. And so, yeah, I guess it's just a case of uh, following someone who, who has a good roadmap on sort of things to learn and the general point, but in also figuring out how can I make this my own? You know, how can, I, how can I just not follow along the tutorial? How can I think of, okay, they say do this, but what happens if I do this other thing? What happens then? And I think that's, you know, I think that's good advice for cloud, but also probably for programming as well.
0: I think that's really good advice for programming. I've talked about tutorial hell and people getting stuck and just constantly, they, they want to, it's like this, it's perfectionism it's this desire to master it or how they perceive what like what mastery is and i think it's an illusion because i think most people are going to learn by doing i think that's a very natural way to learn software engineering and people get stuck with just tutorial after tutorial but with becoming a cloud developer i'm going to challenge this one more time yeah. um it sounds like you know being able to build a product so you probably want you know, fundamentals of programming and being able to build a project. So then you can do something with that project and you understand the context of that project and what it requires, yes. um, in terms of, uh, hosting needs. But could you take an open source project instead of building your own? Could you just take an open source project and put that on the cloud and then continue compounding with more complex, uh, setup with that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, because the 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 name of the game is to build the skills. You know, it doesn't matter if you create it by yourself or if you um, get it from somewhere else. I think personally, for me, I always found it. I always found it easier to do things from scratch. Maybe that's why I recommend that because I always found it sort of difficult, like reading other people's code. Because again, I'm not a developer. Like um, I'm just a guy who knows how to program. So I always found that like by going from first principles, okay, this is how A, B, and C, because I think by the time you get to the open source, like a lot of things has happened and I'm always kind of like, why is this like this? What's going on? So that's why I always prefer to to, to go, go through from scratch, but even something like deploying WordPress, right? That's taking something that already exists. That's a, um, a framework or a platform mm-hmm. and then modifying that. So things, and maybe you could say, okay, I want to host a blog, because uh, WordPress is really good for blogs, even e-commerce. So, okay, start with WordPress and this is going to be my blog and I'm going to be blogging about my my cloud journey, you know, and, you know, I'm updating the themes, I'm like uploading files, I'm, you know, doing all these other things. So I think it's it's important to, to have a use case as well. So like, what would you like to do with this? And I think maybe this is what you are getting at. It's like, what would you like to do with this? Okay, like, okay, I want to have a blog or I want to have an e-commerce site. Great let's build that on the cloud. Right. Let's, let's, let's get something online. Okay. Now you have the blog working. What's important. Okay. I need to know if the site's down. Okay. Now how do we put alerting on there? How do we put logging on there? How do we do um, backups and disaster recovery? Okay. What happens if, um, if my, 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 my server dies, like, okay, how can I build resiliency in there? okay, now we can look into, or let's implement auto-scaling, right? So if one dies, another one automatically comes up. Great, and that comes, and each of those things like comes with its own challenges and nuance. But this is sort of, it's almost like an emergent exploration. Um, But what I would say is to find some sort of guide or some sort of roadmap to work to, because One thing I found with the cloud industry is that there is so much to learn and a lot of people get overwhelmed, right? Because you need to learn Linux, Bash, Python. We haven't even started talking about Docker, Kubernetes, and some people throw in AI, machine learning. So, again, I always say start simple. Start simple, but... Again, I can say this because I have years of experience, but if you're new, you don't know what's simple and what's complicated. So, you know, what I'd say is, you know, follow someone who has experience like myself, for example. And it's always important to just have a roadmap because um, this is one thing I wanted to get to sort of the mistakes people make when looking to get into the cloud industry. And the first mistake I see, actually there's two main mistakes. The first one is... Underestimating it, and it's probably not a problem for you guys uh, as you know software engineers. But a lot of people who who get into the cloud is usually because you know they've seen some TikTok influencer or something saying, "Oh yeah, get these two certifications, and you can get a job at Amazon where you get free breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it's so easy. You don't do anything all day." And so there's an unrealistic expectation about the amount of work <laughs> like one is to actually do to get into the job, because honestly. Cloud jobs, very well paid, very good career progression. Um, And, you know, there's remote working, all of that. However, what that means is that everyone wants those jobs. So there's more competition. And so you need to, you need to actually like be able to stand out from everybody else. And the good news for you is that everybody else is just focusing on two certifications and that's it. And that's why I always say, like, have those projects, because, again, employers, for the most part, they don't care about certifications. They want to pay you to do a job that you've shown that you can do already. So by focusing on certification. So that's the first mistake. People underestimate the journey because it is a journey. Um, The second mistake is not having a learning plan. So where a lot of people go wrong is that, you know, they're learning Linux command line today. They're trying to learn Kubernetes tomorrow. Oh, what's this Python thing? Let me give that a go. And I'm sure it's the same with 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 software development. We're trying to learn four different languages at once. And I always say, no, pick one thing. Uh, I, I sort of have this sort of process I use. So learn the fundamentals, fundamentals of one thing, for example, Linux command line. Okay, what are the common commands? All of that. Then build a project in it, maybe two projects by the time you've built two projects, I think you have a good degree of of confidence. You sort of know your way around the thing. Then you move on to the next thing. Like, okay, learn the fundamentals of that. But the key I think is to make sure wherever the next thing is, is building on the thing you've already learned. So again, even, even though you've moved on to the new thing, you're still using the skills from the previous thing. And, and that way, you know, you're reinforcing your knowledge, even though you're building something else. So, Find a good learning plan you can follow where you go, okay, learn this first, then learn this second, then learn this third, and that just helps to structure your learning so you don't get overwhelmed and, and, yeah, and get demotivated. So yeah, I'd say those are the main, main mistakes people make, and those are the main ways to remediate that.
0: That's really good advice. I agree with your take on education. <clears throat> I like how frequently you're pairing practical work to reinforce what you're doing. And you're talking about, instead of like trying to learn multiple things at once, being linear with it, like really practicing to reinforce it. And then the next step, it uses what you just learned to, again, reinforce it, right? And it's it's this compounding effect. I think that's a great strategy for becoming a software engineer. And like you said, a lot of people, they just... They want to keep diving into all these different technologies because it's overwhelming. You see, like, you look at the end result, and you're just starting out. You're like, I got to learn all these things, so I got to get moving on it, right? And so I'm going to pick up a few in it, but you don't retain it. And then it just takes you longer to actually get to the end because you decided to overwhelm yourself with learning everything.
1: And I'll be honest with you, Don. The reason I know this is because I've done all of that. Every single mistake I talk about, I have made... And, you know, it's only through experience. Like, you know, I remember when I first started, like I said, I was learning Java, I was learning Python. I think I even tried JavaScript at some point. Um, It wasn't until like I found like a good sort of playlist. And I think there's the importance on YouTube of like playlist tutorials because they sort of take you on that journey, sort of one video at a time. But like, I know it's so tempting to be like, oh, everyone's talking about Kubernetes. I need to learn Kubernetes. But they realize that only a small number of companies actually use Kubernetes and Kubernetes is made by Google. And the reason they made it is because they have like, I don't know, a million services they need to manage. For most companies that only have one or two applications, like you don't need Kubernetes. And like, I I just tell most beginners, don't even look at Kubernetes. (laughs) Like I'm sure if you've heard of it, just be like, there's all these other stuff you need to learn before you can even think about looking at Kubernetes. So yeah, so all these mistakes, I've made them myself. And, you know, I'm I'm sort of like coming out of the other side with bruises and and I'm trying to help the next generation avoid the same mistakes I made. Um, So yeah, that's why I sort of tried to spread the word here. So we all make those mistakes. Don't worry if you're making them now. It's kind of part of the journey as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean I, I I mean I'm a huge fan of teaching the next generation and sharing those mistakes. But I also remember me thinking, listening to the last generation telling me <laughs> don't make these mistakes and I'm I'm still gonna make some of them. Like I'm gonna I, make them. It's a natural flow and you just try to reduce the amount of mistakes you made. But I think you gave a lot of really good information, stuff to watch out for as you're trying to become a cloud developer. Um, but you know, in reality, I'm a I'm a huge Advocate for figuring out what you want to do, like what actually mm-hmm. speaks to you. Because I think a lot of people, you know, they might see this TikTok influencer saying, Oh yeah, I make tons of money. You don't even have to work. Like I spend three hours on a cafeteria and then the top of the office and I'm just enjoying the sun. And like you don't, you know, you hear those stories which aren't even reality, but you're probably not going to get to that type of company anytime soon. So you you have this illusion. And, but it sounds nice. And you compare it with your current job. You know, maybe it's a labor job, maybe it's some random office job, but it's like, this sounds so much better. And you just, you focus on trying to, you you focus on the result, but... Once you get into any job, no matter how good it sounds like, no matter how much better it is than your current job, it's a job. There's a reality. There's stuff you're not going to like about it. And it's it's a grind to even get there. It's a grind to get through it. Like, you know, being a software engineer coding, uh, it, like, I literally loved it. I would, I would think about it nonstop. And then when I became a developer, it's, I didn't need to think about it all the time. I enjoyed mm. other parts of my life. And it's like, and then, you know talking with project managers and dealing with unrealistic expectations it's like oh this is a job right so um what am i trying to say um how do you figure out that cl- becoming a cloud engineer is for you like how do you figure out this is the path cuz i yeah We'll go with that question
1: yeah and i just want to say i empathize 100 percent with what you're saying especially with the project management ones i've had projects where you know we've been like okay let's estimate how long it's going to take and i'd be like yeah it'll be like two to three months and they're like yeah you have four weeks to do it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah like you say it's a job and you know with with anything there's always going to be pros and cons and there's going to be things that you like and things that you don't like because again for a lot of these Industries and jobs, you don't know until you're there. Like you never know how you're going to react to certain things until you're in that situation. It's all about how do you know the cloud is right for you. I can speak from my experience. I didn't know the cloud was right for me. All I knew was that I enjoy technology and I wanted to work with technology. And the journey kind of took me to the cloud. I had no intention. I started with, I just want to be good at Linux. That's how I started. And from there, I was like, okay. I understand understanding, of what's a project I can do? Boom, WordPress or or some other ones. Okay, now do that. Oh, now it's time to host it somewhere. Okay, there's this thing called AWS. All right, boom. So, for me, I think it's so important to fall in love with technology, or to fall in love with finding solutions to problems, to fall in love with troubleshooting, to fall in love with learning. I find that that's more important because I feel like a lot of people are going into this with the wrong reasons, right? You know, we all want to earn six figure jobs and that's not bad. Like we all want to get paid, but the reality is those who are the most successful are those who just love the process. They love learning these things because when you get that job, guess what? The hard part has just started. Like you thought what you were doing before was hard, but you could, you know, you can do it whenever you wanted to, you know, if you didn't feel like doing it, you didn't do it now. Like you said, Don, There's actually deadlines. There's other people relying on you. The CEO is breathing down your neck. You want to do a good job. So like, and like now you, you, now you actually go into more like company specific scenarios. So these are stuff you can't see on Stack Overflow, whatever, because it's very company specific. So now it's like, okay, the real work has actually just started when you get that job. So that's why, that's why I always tell people, it's like, look, you know, someone calls to me, do you need programming for this? Or do I have to learn this? I'm like, you've already lost because you should be excited to learn programming. You should be excited to learn, you know, this thing, you should be excited. And, and if you find out, like, you know, it, it's, it, you know, we all have, you know, good days and bad days, but the general trajectory should be, if you're learning something like the Linux command line, or if you're learning programming, you should at least enjoy that. Because if you don't enjoy the process and if you don't enjoy troubleshooting, at least to a a basic degree, uh, a job in the tech industry in general might not be for you. And there's other roles, you know, you can go into sales, you can go into account management. There's roles in the cloud and in technology that don't require you to be technical. But, you know, if you want to be like a cloud engineer or I'm sure like a software developer and you want to be successful and get to those heights, then you have to enjoy the challenge of figuring things out and troubleshooting. So I, I'd say that's how you know.
0: I love it. I couldn't have said it any better myself. I think that's a good thing to wrap up on. Uh, do you feel like we left anything out?
1: Um, no, I think I think we've covered a lot of ground, which is which is good. I think we've given people a good idea of what the cloud is, you know, what kind of things they should be looking at if they want to go into that industry. And honestly, one thing I would say is that let's say you think, you know what, like software development for me, this is what I want to go on. I think that's great. I think you should also look into cloud skills because I think with any industry you're in, you always want to make sure you're more valuable, right? How can you bring more value, right? So if you're going for a job, right, and there's two candidates you know, with both equal levels of programming skills, but if you can go... Yeah, could program, but also created this pipeline that went into this server. Guess what? You're more valuable than the other person. Even if you're a mid-level developer, like, you know, you're really good at developing. Rather than learning that third or fourth language, why not learn the cloud? Because I was speaking to one of my um, former colleagues. He actually started off as a software engineer and became a, a cloud engineer. And what he was saying is that in one of his previous companies they had this database that was running, right? And it was costing them about $1,000 a month. And they were looking at, oh, we need to like, you know, add, we need to scale it up because, you know, we, we have more queries coming in. But, but because he could understand those metrics, but also because he could understand code, he noticed that, oh, if we just index this table here and there, you know, the usage can drop by 90%, Right. So let's say you have a database, for example, that's like costing like $5,000 a month, right? And you can get it down because you're understanding of software development and the cloud. You can be like, okay, if we turn, if we do A, B, and C, we can get it from $5,000 a month to like, I don't know, $500 a month. Guess what? You just saved the company $4,500 a month. I don't even want to do the math like times 12 for a year. So at your next pay review, if you go, oh, you know, I've saved the company 40,000 pounds. Uh, A year, you know, a couple of months ago, you know, I'd like a twenty thousand a year pay rise, right? It makes that conversation easier because you're actually demonstrating value. Because then it's a no brainer, right? Because, but that comes from learning those adjacent skills. Um, Yeah, I think my camera's gone off, but (laughs) yeah, these these are the sort of things you should consider. So I'd say, you know, even if you want to be like a software developer, learning those adjacent skills never hurt.
0: All right. I think you gave I think you gave a good example of just a mindset that even software engineers should have in general. It's like really focus, um, especially when you're talking raises and even just marketing yourself on your resume and to companies like focus on that quantitative data. If you're saving companies money, like even um, yeah, just if you're saving the company money, if you're trying, if you're improving efficiency in any way, just like I think those are important things to focus on that a lot of software engineers they just they let go. They don't really think about it. They really dive and I'm talking software engineers specific, um they dive into the into the code. They don't really think about the business requirements and needs and how what they do and how it impacts companies, right? And so I feel like when I talk about like when I talk with devops, when I talk with cloud people, they their mindset is a little bit more shifted of like they are they are the people that are like closely tied with you know the costs of tech and the tech team, and you're there to like really make things more efficient. So I think that was a really good mindset to share for software engineers in general. But um, yeah, if you're a software engineer, like just toss something up on AWS, see how you like it, because that's the thing. You you started with Linux, and you just you want to explore technology. And you had curiosity and it led you to what you're doing now. I think that's a really natural way to get into tech because, you know, I can give all the advice that I know of to become a software engineer. But a lot of people that come to me, they don't even know if they want to be a software engineer. Mm. They might have just seen a TikTok influencer. They might have like had a friend that did it. Right. But you got to explore it. You got you to gotta be curious in this mm. industry. And if you're not, you could go down a road that's not even fun for you that's not like it might just have a high pay if you are if you go at it a long time but you know chances are you're not going to follow through if you don't really enjoy it anyways you don't enjoy the process so
1: yeah, yeah no, I, think that I think that was, that makes was all complete good advice sense. yeah i think because yeah it's not it's not for everyone you know not nothing's for everyone and i think and that's why I, I try to sort of combat a lot of the hype like oh we all need to be in tech no we don't some people need to be doctors, right? Um, some people need to be in sales. Some people are really good with with people. So you want to be in a people role, right? Like maybe customer uh, uh, account managers, right? So where you're liaising between the technical people and the non-technical people. So you can still understand the cloud or software, but even if you understand it on a theoretical level, where you can sort of translate. That's very valuable as well. And like there's whole careers associated with that. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's a good mindset. That's good advice.
0: So yeah, we'll go ahead and cut it off uh, there. Uh, family. I really appreciate you diving into this topic. Um, I know you even mentioned like you have students, right? So you have stuff that you do on the sides. Um, you help people out in different ways. So, you know, if people want to get to know you more, they, you know, might have questions or they want to look into like mentorship, anything like that. Do you have anything to share for us?
1: Yes, so I've actually come up with a free guide that I've created because I've had this conversation uh, a lot with with different people called the Three Simple Steps to a Cloud Career. Now, even if you don't want a cloud career, I still recommend you, you give it a read and I'm sure we'll have the link uh, somewhere in the description. So download that and that will give you a lot of the information you need to get started. I also have a YouTube channel called Cloud Career Mentor. Check that out. You know, I it's, it involves me just talking to the camera like this, giving advice about the cloud industry, also interviewing cloud professionals about their experiences and their journey. Because I always feel like it's good to get different perspectives from from other people. And yeah, I'd say those are the the best places to to find me really, and also on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. Perfect. I'll definitely
0: share all of uh, those details in the description um no matter where you're listening no matter where you're watching but yeah i i really appreciate this conversation i feel like cloud is was a bit obscure for me it's and i have these conversations for me to learn as well so i mean, honestly this was fantastic thank you so much for coming on no it's my pleasure really enjoyed chatting to you Don.